Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing and cruising the East Coast of the United States. Today, we have part two of our discussion with Jamie and Keith Pomeroy. They have been cruising and living aboard their 40-foot catamaran for over 15 years, so they have lots of great stories and advice. I spoke with them a few weeks ago while they were on a mooring in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I'll tell you, I was a bit envious, as they were in shorts and a t-shirt, and on January, the day I interviewed them, it was nine degrees and snowing outside my house that day. Yeah, a little bit of boat envy there, wasn't it? I can imagine. Uh, But hey, uh, I think that that was a really interesting part one, and listeners, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 52, uh, if you haven't. Uh, if you haven't done that already, because that was the start and the introduction, you get the whole story. Um, this is a couple that just amazing to me had a plan to kind of sell everything, their house and everything, and um, and executed that plan. And they sold everything, and um, they live on their sailboat, and they kind of travel around and work for a while, and they've been having this kind of dream lifestyle. They they made it happen, Bela, didn't they? Yeah, they, they, they sure have. And they've been doing it for over 15 years. So it's not like, hey, you know, we've been doing it for six months and this is great. Uh, and, you know, lots of folks think about living and cruising on a boat, or I should say they dream about dream about it, but very few actually do it. Uh, and, you know, as you said, they had a plan, they acted on it. And once you take that first step, all of the steps that follow are typically easier. And like we talked in part one of this ep- of this episode, uh, it's not unlike the entrepreneurs that we've encountered in our business school teaching, Mike. You know, some dream and some take action. Totally agree, Bela. And uh, I think that, you know, it, it, the second part really gets to the longer term issues. We talked about the start before and now really how do you sustain this over the long haul? So um, this second part is every bit as interesting to me as the first part was. And just as a heads up to the more novice listeners, uh, kind of like I am, um, Bela, you and Keith, uh, talked about AIS for a while and, um, I kind of knew what it was, but I thought that it might be helpful to explain it. So this stands for automatic identification system. And it's a tool that allows you to see other boats in your area. It allows you to see their direction and their speed. Um, and even more importantly, the expected space between the two of you, because you always want to make sure there's some distance between you and other boats, the bigger and faster they are, the more distance you need. Right. But, um, and then the other important thing is it gives you their vessel name. So you can call them directly on the radio. And of course, this can be really important if you need to coordinate with a ship that might be nearby so that you can both negotiate safe passage um, for everybody. So, um, you know, Bela, I think that's just a, a little piece of this, but I think it'll make the conversation make a lot more sense to some of the people who aren't uh, experienced sailors. Yeah, that, you explained but, that very well, Mike. 
Thanks. You coached me a little. I'll be honest. But <laughs> um, before we dive into part two of this conversation, um, as we mentioned last time, we want to mention it one more time. Bella, you've been thinking about our logo. Yeah, you know, our logo, our current logo is something that I did. And as it's very obvious by looking at the logo, I do not have a lot of graphic design skills. Some might say I have none. Uh, so I've been thinking it'd probably be good uh, to get a new logo. And I was hoping that maybe one of our listeners uh, has some graphic design skills or one of our listeners knows someone who has some graphic design skills that they could recommend to us. So it'd be great if uh, that's the case, if they uh, reach out to us at sailingtheeast, that's all one word, sailingtheeast at gmail.com. And let's see if we can get a new, more inspiring logo designed uh, for the show. And we've got a little bit of budget for this, and we're also happy to give uh, the designer some credit right in our show notes and maybe give them a little publicity as well. Absolutely. So it sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good, Bella. Let's jump into part two, the uh, conclusion of uh, your con- our conversation with Jamie and Keith Pomeroy. So I wanted to ask you that because you mentioned it was the two of you. And, you know, I've been on, I haven't been on a lot of passages, but a small handful. And on some of them, it, there's been two people. And on other of them, there was three. And I clearly have a preference for three people just because we would we would do three on and six off. And for my body, that works. And when there was two, we'd either do three on and three off or four on and four off. And man, I had a hard time on those. What, what do you guys do on, on your watches and stuff when, when you do that when it's just um, two of you? We, we played around with it a lot. And we had a friend recommend that you do um, three, do three, three hours during the day. Yep. Three, four hours during the day. And then two six-hour shifts at night. Ah. So you don't have the same shift every day. It actually rotates. Yeah. But the the big thing is, is they say that you really don't catch up any sleep unless you can sleep for five hours. Mm-hmm. So that six-hour shift at night makes a huge difference. And then by the three four-hour shifts during the day, uh, you actually only get one shift during the day as you swap over the next night, and the other person has two during the day. So. Um, you know, as long as you don't have any failures or major problems going on, two people can handle it pretty easily. Three people is, is nice. Yeah. Um, I did a delivery from Panama city, actually Cologne, Panama through the Panama canal and then Panama city up to Honolulu. Um, and that took us 38 days. Uh, we had four people and the idea was that if we had mechanical problems, the guy who was the engineer, was going to be busy and the other three guys were going to take four hour shifts right yeah uh, we lucky we did not have mechanical problems so we pretty much did three hour shifts but i did uh, nine to noon and nine to midnight for a couple of weeks yeah uh, and that, that was fine so yeah yeah I, I i found that you know we did we did structured shifts 24 hours a day and right. i was pretty diligent that when i was off shift i would go take a nap Right. And, and, and I think that served me well because there was a couple times when, you know, either because the weather was rough, I could, you couldn't sleep or, you know, there was something going on and you needed extra hands on deck. And so you got to have that reserve. Otherwise, you know, you can get, you get yourself in trouble. Yes. You do have to be disciplined on that. Yeah. Yeah. You can get in trouble quickly. Yes. It's it's amazing how much, how fast you can get in trouble at, you know, six or seven knots. (laughs) 
And you know, not everyone is diligent about about having someone at the helm. We are. We always have someone at the helm. And uh, you know, there's a lot of single handlers out there, and there's a lot of people who do uh, double passage. You know, two-handed passengers. And um, I, we just are diligent about always having someone at the helm because stuff happens. Sure. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. worth losing an hour of sleep to make sure somebody's there. And... Right. Right. So, what's your what's your favorite piece of equipment? Probably AIS. Yeah. That's, you know, I don't know who invented that, but whoever did, I hope they're rich because they deserve to be. <laughs> I hope so. It makes a huge difference in, in, uh, in, in passages. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's yeah. just remarkable sort of the, the, the sense of comfort you have when, you know, you see a ship and you know their name, you know, they're heading, you know, they're going and it's easy to call them. They can see you if they're awake, <laughs> you know, it's just, right. it's, it's so different than it was before AIS. Right. Uh, and the, the big part of that as well, as you know, that um, if you do call somebody with their name and number, they are required by law to answer you. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the case on radar. You never knew if somebody saw you or not. Right. Um, it, and it takes a lot of practice to use radar efficiently. And it's something that we uh, it's a it's a very hard skill to acquire and keep. Um, so we were never really efficient with it. Yeah. Uh, so that that makes a big difference also. Um, but we had a, a friend, uh, the, the, that we first went down the East coast with, and he was fairly proficient on radar and his wife was not. So he was being woken up anytime there was a question. And that's the, the big thing. AIS is so easy to use when it's integrated into your chart plotter yep. that that other person gets time to sleep, the, or at least the, the person that is really good at radar doesn't necessarily have to get woken up as much. And that's a big difference because that's probably a key person in your scenario. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, AIS is just a, a marvelous, marvelous invention. Right. Um, cool. The, uh, so what's a, when you're not working, what's a typical day like for you guys down in the Virgin Islands? <laughs> uh, so we work, we're not working at work. We're working on our boat. <laughs> The moment. At the moment, you know, we're just just trying to it's, catch up on some major projects that we've just completed or we're in the middle of. Um, but we try to work in the morning, do a project in the morning, and then we'll go, you know, maybe we can go to the beach or we can go, you know, hang out with some friends for a couple hours and play cards or games or something and just relax in the afternoon. Yeah. So how are the, given COVID and, and its impact, how, how are the crowds there? you know, compared to years ago, because it's interesting in the, in the States, there's been a huge surge in sort of people buying boats, uh, up in new England, marinas are full. They have no empty slips. You know, people are buying boats. They can't get slips. Um, yep. how is it, how is it down there? We are busier here in the last two years than we have ever been. Ever been. And the main reason is that, uh, certainly in 2020, the summer of 2020, um, almost everybody can't um, shut down when COVID first hit. Uh, the governor here cannot close his ports down. The ports are run by the U.S. government. Mm. So he basically welcomed everybody with open arms and said, come on in. Um, we were literally the only open ports 
in all of the Caribbean for eight months. Yeah, I remember hearing about that on, on various different things I listened to. Yeah, that yeah. Worked. for so, for you, uh, Puerto Rico, same thing. They can't close their ports, but the governors, uh, because they had been hammered so hard in the storms of 2017, they still didn't have the hospital facilities. And we didn't either, but they didn't have the hospital facilities. So what they did was they took their local Marine police and basically stopped everybody from coming into port. Mm-hmm. And they they shut Close down the marinas. Yeah, they closed down all the marinas and said, you can't sell gas. Well, if you can't get fuel, then there's no reason for anybody to come there. Yeah. So they made it very tough. So uh, we generally, you know, a lot of our, our boats here, day trippers and term charter boats, uh, go to the BVI. Uh, and that has been closed, hard closed, uh, since uh, March of 2020. Uh, and they um, have just started opening back up the private boats just two months ago. But the term charter and um, um, those boats cannot go in there. Day charters, they, day charters term charters, and um, even, even the um, uh, bear boats cannot go in there. Um, so if you want to go to the BVI right now, you have to fly into the BVI and charter in the BVI. They aren't allowing anybody and yeah, and stay in the BVI. You can go in between the USBI and the BVI like you used to. I see. The the other end of that is, is very true though. A lot of people bought boats and thought they were going to go boating. And, uh, it's very difficult right now to get into the other islands, uh, between the, the COVID testing that you have to do before you come in to go to another nation. Uh, we had somebody come down um, and they wanted to do the hopscotching like we all used to do and hit all the different islands all the way down. And that's not going to happen because unless you want to spend another, uh, the number thrown out was like a thousand dollars because you had to get a test each time before you went to each one and, and all the other testing that they made you do. Um, so, and a lot of people have been pushed, uh, in, rather than island hopping, they've basically had to say, okay, it's uh, hurricane season's coming. I, I'm going to go to Grenada. I'm going to sail three to four days to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, or I'm going to go back to the Virgin islands after hiding from hurricane season and they're going to have to sail three or four days to come there. And that's not what a lot of people signed up to do. They want to, you know, have the very social part of it and they want to see the other countries and stop at all the other nations. And that's a, a very large part of enjoying the Eastern Caribbean is that you've got a lot of very easy day sales to get to the next island. Right. Right. And with, with each stop, almost a different culture and certainly a different experience. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. So, uh, speaking of hurricane season, what do you guys typically do for that? Pray. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's, that's, Um, that's the free and easy one. (laughs) Uh, we, we have a hurricane plan in our hurricane plan and we are not proud we will cocktail and run as fast as we can um you know with the the current weather situation that we have you know we know a hurricane's coming yes there's no surprises we, we can plan for it we can make sure you know when it's june we start to fill up our freezer and our and our larders and make sure that we have you know we have provisions for a couple of months just in case something happens, uh, our plan is to go from here. We would sail straight to uh, the ABC Islands, and we might not even get there. You know, the storm would be coming usually from the east or the yes. southeast. Um, we would go kind of 90 due degrees. south, 90 degrees to the storm, 
wait for the storm to pass, turn around, come back. Yeah. Maybe hit the maybe maybe not even get to the islands because it would be a fast enough moving storm that we wouldn't need to touch base anywhere else. But that's our that's our plan. Yeah, and that strategy has worked well for you guys for all these years. Absolutely. Yeah. Fortunately, we haven't had to do it. We have knock on wood, knock on whatever you want, and uh, we have been lucky enough not to be in a in the location where a serious hurricane has hit. Yeah. When we're there. Yeah. We, we, we did have a hurricane, um, pop up on us that became a hurricane, uh, five miles to the South of us. And of course, those that, uh, go to the Bahamas are quite familiar with Dorian. Um, Dorian was supposed to go South of St. Croix, which is 40 miles to our South and, uh, swing up towards Puerto Rico, which is 40 miles to our West. And we got up that morning and we both went to work and turned on our computers and i came back to the boat uh dorian took a hard right when it came through st croix went due north came right up to us and uh, five miles south of us became a category one uh, the, the good news there is that it didn't have time to really kick up the waves that would have been detrimental for us and um it came in by 11 o'clock in the morning, which was fine, we were in the in the hole in the um, in the eye of the storm uh, for 15 minutes around uh, 12:30, I think it was one o'clock, and then it went over the other side of St. Thomas to the north of us, which St. Thomas is 1,300 feet tall. So when it went to the north of us on the other side of the island, it, things calmed right back down again. Yeah, um, it, it was not a major event, but we sat on our mooring mooring for uh, a Category One, and that's why our mooring is built the way it is, uh, so that we can um, be in a position to save that. Yeah, uh, if something was coming at us at a Category One, we have a couple of different places that we can go and hide locally. Uh, here on St. Thomas, there's one spot, or you can go to Vieques or Calabra, and there's some nice mangroves that you can tuck into there. Um, that we have friends that do that on a regular basis. Um, but uh, something that's a tropical storm that looks like it's tracking all right, we tend to stay right here and, and not worry too much about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had my first experience with a tropical storm. Um, Henri came up through uh, Narragansett Bay, and um, I was on the boat, and, uh, you know, it was, it wasn't going to be too bad. And we were on the side of it where the, where we were, we, there's not a lot of exposure, but I remember distinctly waking up in the morning and the wind was blowing from the North, I'll say. And then kind of the wind died and the sun came out and I said, Oh, the thing's over. And then 20 <laughs> minutes later, the wind came from the South and, and that was like my first ever experience of, you know, going through an eye of a, not a hurricane, a tropical storm, but it was like, right. it was the weirdest experience I ever had. Yeah. 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 We had a couple of newbies, uh, that were on boats right behind us that we were, um, constantly texting with during that because they obviously didn't have our, um, skill level, sure. comfort level, yeah. in the boat. Um, we had never been, I had never been through one. Uh, Jamie was actually running the docks at, at one of the local marinas. So she was working through the whole thing. Um, and I was on the boat just in case, but, uh, it's one of those things that, um, because we'd been on the boat that I, I was very comfortable with the boat and I was very comfortable with my mooring. 
Um, and this person was not, that, yeah. not that comfortable, yeah. you know, but when that eye hit, uh, you know, all the texts were, okay, get out there, check everything, make sure it's battened down. Anything that's not, you know, a nice tight loop, tighten right. it up. You've got 15 minutes go. Right. You know, and all of us popped up and did what we had to do and got back in. Right. Right. It gives you, it gives you that, that 15 minute respite to, to fix things before the second half hits. Yeah. yeah like a football game. <laughs> Yeah. Luckily it doesn't happen in the middle of the night for us. You know, that's, that's when it's brutal and all happens when it's dark and you can't see the landmarks and what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've, I have found it even with my limited experience, how amazing the sailing community is to, to give a hand, give advice, you know, pitch in and help and help you when, you know, I I've done a lot of stuff on the boat myself, you know, stripping off the canvas and taking sails down and the sails are big. I can't do it myself, but you know, everyone helps each other. It's just a remarkable community. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's really nice. It is. And that's, and that's what we found. We found that through everywhere we've been, Yeah, you know, all the way coast through the Caribbean, you know, the Bahamas, the Caribbean, every, you know, everywhere we've been, we, we have that camaraderie of sailors. If anything's happening, you just call up and you say, Hey, you got, you know, you just help each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 really very comforting. It's it's unfortunate that the rest of society is not like that. <laughs> I agree, hundred yes. percent. Right? <laughs> There's other parts of society are just the opposite. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Very good. We're, gonna, we're at the end of the uh, runway, so we're going to get disturbed here for just a minute as this. Uh, takes off above us but no that's all right um so uh you did you say you had some plans uh for this summer or you still don't know what you're what you're going to do our plan is definitely to move on Mm -hmm. so the real question is uh which direction do we go yeah um like so much with covid we could see the numbers drop off here i mean we've we've seen the numbers here in the virgin islands drop significantly just in this last week um, oh, great. so, you know, and it sounds like, uh, you know, as far as the curve is going, the United States is getting pretty close to that now. Yes. Um, so the, the question's going to be how fast do countries open back up again? Yeah. Um, you know, we did see it this last summer fall that, uh, the, un- unfortunately the, 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 the realistic point is that everybody needs the tourist dollars in order to continue with the islands down here in the Caribbean and, and Central America as well. Uh, we really want to go to the Western Caribbean. Uh, we haven't done the, the North circuit and over to the Rio Dolce and that's where we'd like to go next. Uh, so if those do start to open up, we would definitely make a break for there. Um, if they don't, uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll head North into the Bahamas and hang out in the Bahamas because, uh, Bahamas are absolutely gorgeous and wonderful. Um, and, then make a decision from there or continue north and then come back down south again and, and see what happens next year. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that everything's going to open back up again come spring, but, um, you know, that's only two months away <laughs> for us. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. And I expect we'll be up in the, you know, in the Northeast come, come next summer or this summer. We'll work our way up that way and play up there for the summer and, you know, late summer we'll end up, you know, maybe down in the in the Chesapeake for hurricane season. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and again, referring to your um, your conversation with Joe Hagan, 
Um, you know, you, you like to go places where you haven't been before and to explore. Um, we, you know, we have places up in the Long Island Sound and, and out to Martha's Vineyard and um, Nantucket and um, Narragansett Bay that we still would love to go and see and do more of. Um, but we've been there before, so we know an awful lot about it as well. So uh, it, it has a lure, but it doesn't have as much lure as saying, I want to go to Jamaica and then jump to the Grand Caymans and then to Mexico and uh, Guatemala and, and work down through there. Right. Um, right. You know, Honduras, Belize, right. All that stuff. So, you know, there, there's definitely two very different points of sale to go with, to go, to go there. Um, we really don't want to pull up sales and six, seven days later pull into uh, Honduras and Guatemala. We really want to do that island jumping and see everything else as we go across. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds wonderful. Have you guys ever thought about venturing out into the Pacific? We really have not. Um, I did the once, the, um, the delivery to Honolulu. Uh, I did that more because I wanted to do a large crossing and Jamie had uh, very little interest in it. So um, she kicked me off the boat and said, go do this uh, because we were going to spend the time in San Blas. Uh, so that worked out well. We had friends in San Blas at that point anyway. So Jamie had a wonderful support system uh, and that worked out very well. But we don't really have any interest in taking our boat into the Pacific. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I can, I can understand that. It, it's a, it's a long haul <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, getting back in is not all that easy. <laughs> no, no. A lot of boats get sold in the Philippines. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, so I wanted to ask you one question, Jamie, about your seasickness. Uh, how did you, how, what do you do for that? How do you treat yourself? Do you take any meds? You have any tips for that? I want to say that I have tried everything. I'm sure there's something that I haven't tried, but I think I've tried everything. Um, there's a couple of things that I can do. Uh, the more rest that I get, the better I am. I try to eat. Believe it or not, I actually do better on a full stomach than not. Um, the when we are underway, the the thing that I do if I'm at the helm, I have, I I'm I'm not usually ill if I can just stay at the helm and and pay attention and see what's going on and. That and otherwise, I am horizontal. If I'm not at the helm, I'm horizontal. And yeah. Keith has something else. So if anything does go awry, then he'll wake me up, and I'll go to the helm, and he'll fix whatever has to be fixed. And uh, obviously, the same thing. If something goes awry while I'm at the helm, I'll wake him up. But um, as far as drugs or anything like that, I really haven't found anything that long term really works for me. Mm. Um, the drugs that I have taken long term, um, I get too many side effects. Yeah. So they're too high a dosage or yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to just hard to figure out. Yeah. So, and I'm not violently ill or anything. I just, just really tired and, um, nauseous, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've used a patch, uh, on every, on every passage I've, I've done and I've done it kind of preemptively. So I, yeah. I really, I really don't know if I get seasick or not. <laughs> Good. I, I hope you don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did hear something the other day, uh, probably uh, a couple of months ago on a podcast I was listening to, and I don't know if it's, if you've tried it or if it's, if it's, you know, BS or if it's real, but this person had worked on uh, oil platforms in the North sea for a long time. And what he said a lot of people did was they put one earplug in 
just in one ear. And somehow that disrupts whatever's going on between your inner ear and your brain and stuff. And he said, that worked for a bunch of people. Have you tried that? I have tried that. Yep. And all it did was mess with my hearing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, now I, now I have two data points. I tried the, the wristbands. You yeah. know, there's a wristband, kind of like a watch that actually gives yes. a pulse. Yes. I've tried that on both different wrists, both wrists, one or the other. Um, uh, the patch, um, a ear, uh, something in your ear or the other ear or both ears. You know, it's... it's yeah. um, and, and when I say I've tried it, I've actually really given it, you know, like a 24 hour, let's really, you know, give this, an you know, an opportunity to help and it. I've not had the success that other, some other people have had. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, my ears are, I think are just, um, when I was young, I, I spent a lot of time in legs and I think I had some ear, pretty major ear infections. And I think my ears are just extra sensitive to inner ear infections and it kind of has messed up with my balance yeah yeah you know get all into that science stuff and it's, yeah yeah and keith you don't you don't get seasick at all no <laughs> that was short and sweet no <laughs> that's wonderful uh, never yeah. yes it is wonderful yeah i must have <laughs> yeah that's great the uh yeah. so we've been chit-chatting here uh over 45 minutes so i want to i want to wrap this up respect your time uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you that we, we should, I should have asked you, or you want to talk about? Um, I really can't think of a whole lot. Um, you know, the, the, the big thing, if you're gonna, uh, do just the ICW, you know, the, the Facebook groups are wonderful for, yes. uh, for anything that you want to do now. Um, we do still have paper charts. Um, we do buy the guidebooks when we're going to go to a different area, do the research, buy the right guidebook. Um, they, they certainly help you in planning. And, and once you arrive, um, the Facebook groups are great in any kind of information that you want to, to ask. Um, uh, we're not a big ask people. We like to go there and find out for ourselves. Mm. Um, you know, it's good to say, okay, where do you get gas or, sure. or propane or, or things like that? Um, but um, I actually am one of the administrators of the Facebook group for the USBI cruisers and boaters. And so we get a lot of questions for people that are coming down for uh, bare boat charting as, chartering as well as locals coming through. And that's, that's really changed, as I say, in the last two years, the number of people that are bare boating here and staying here. So uh, but those are wonderful resources. Um, Seven Seas Cruising Association, we are bay hosts for them. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, And we have been for quite a while now. So if somebody on SSCA, now a lot of people that come through on SSCA, um, they don't necessarily look for the bay host. Some people do, and they reach out and say, hey, we're in Puerto Rico. We're coming over there next week. Yeah. Uh, what about this and this? You know? So a lot of that information you can get on the Facebook groups now. Uh, but but the SSCA is still very good with it. Um, certainly, Noonsight is a great um, great organization as well to give you a lot of information. Uh, some specific, some general. I think the the Facebook groups uh, you know have more specifics than Noonsight could ever think of to keep up with at this point. But um, they give you a tremendous amount of organization also. So there's a lot of planning stuff that that's out there for 
people if they want to go to different places. And that's really the, the tools that we use when we, when we do go somewhere. Yeah. So when, when, when you get ready to, to go to a new place, uh, you know, let, let's say you're going to, you're going to go for on a passage and go to a, check out a new country. How much time do you kind of spend, you know, looking at doing your research and figuring out your plan and where you're going to go? Um, we've been thinking about Guatemala and Honduras for about five years. So, <laughs> okay. You know, we touch on it back and forth. And, you know, when we really decide that's where we're going to go, we'll really, really put, you know, we'll put some serious time in it. But, I mean, we have enough connections now that we still have boating friends that are down there in the Rio Dolce and have been there for a couple of years. So we have those connections already, but you certainly have the ability to join the groups for um, those areas as well so that so that you can get the information that you need. And, and yeah, you kind of think about these things and yeah, I want to go there. I want to I want to go look at it. So I'm going to be a member of that. I mean, we're still members of the um, uh, Bahama, uh, Bahamas groups, Land and mm -hmm. Sea, which is a wonderful group. But we haven't been there in 10 years, but I'm still a member of that group. And I check on things every now and then just to see how things are going. Yeah. Um, so you kind of keep in touch with those kinds of things uh, as well. So you, you're constantly looking at them and, and making your decisions with real-time data. Yeah. It is amazing uh, how much information is available, right? If you think back 30 years, it was just guidebooks. That was basically it. <laughs> right. right? Yep. And they were always out of date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that was it. But, I mean, by definition, the guidebook is out of date. Uh Right. And, and, and that was it. And, and now there's just, as you were saying, all these different, various different groups and just sometimes the amount of information is over overwhelming. Um, but boy, it is really good. And I, and I'm like you, I, I tend to be a planner and I start thinking about something. I'll monitor what's going on in the Facebook group or other, you know, seven seas association, whatever, uh, various different groups. And I just listen and I just kind of, you know, check in once or twice a week. And, and just from that, you pick up this base level of knowledge and information. Right. And, and then you yeah. can start asking some more informed questions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, you know, it's really been a blast catching up with you guys. You guys look great. Great seeing you again. Yeah. So I really appreciate you doing this and, and this is long enough. I'll probably break it into two episodes uh, and it'll probably be several, probably in February before it comes out, uh, maybe towards okay. the end of February, but I'll let you know, I'll zip you off an email and, and let you know when it comes out. Um, I really do appreciate you guys, uh, willingness to do this and, uh, it was great to see you and catch up. Our pleasure. And, uh, we certainly are look forward to helping other boaters. So that's all part of this. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And uh, if you come up north during the summer, we'll have to uh, get together. Uh, and, we will. You know, if you're ever looking for crew for a passage or something, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> my suitcase is packed. <laughs> okay. Well, I, let me rephrase that. My duffel bag is packed. I don't, I don't bring a suit. No suitcases on boats. <laughs> yeah, be careful with that kind of offer. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, all right. Thanks a lot. Take care, guys. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, Keep up the good work. Be well. Bela, this was fascinating. Um, question for you. Would you ever do something like this, or is the pull of the grandchildren too strong, or, or are there other factors here? So I, I, I don't think I have interest in doing it full-time. 
like uh, Jamie and Keith. Uh, I, I think I would be pretty open to doing it for two or three or four months, maybe even six months. And, you know, having the grandkids there for a good portion of that. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure I want to live on a boat full time, you know, 12 months of the year. Uh, there's a, there's a, I enjoy a lot of things that I have in the house and sort of my land base. And I think, uh, you know, I like, for example, uh, my son and, and his wife, um, they, they hiked the Pacific crest trail, which is sort of the Western version, the Western U S version of the Appalachian trail. Everyone, a lot of people have heard of the Appalachian trail, you know, it goes from Georgia to Maine. Well, the Pacific crest trail goes from the border with Mexico uh, in Southern California all the way up to the Canadian border uh, in, uh, in um, Oregon, all through the Rocky Mountains, et cetera, and the Sierras. And they asked me if I wanted to come along for parts of that. And while I'm intrigued by the hiking part, I want to sleep in a comfortable bed every night. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, the, the, you know, I'm 68 years old and that's what I want to do. And uh, so, so, you know, I said, if you can guarantee that I could get a nice hotel every night, sure, I'll come along. <laughs> and uh, so the boat's sort of the same way. It's got a lot of great stuff going for it. It's got a lot of things that I really enjoy, but I'm not sure I want to do it on a full-time basis. I think, you know, two, three, four, six months at a time, that would be great. So kind of doing it part-time is I, I'd be very interested in doing. And it's feasible to do that, I imagine. I mean, like my grandparents, and this is kind of stereotypical, but they lived on Long Island for uh, in the winter, and then they had an apartment in Florida, in South Florida, right? And they would go down. So they would pack their car up, and they would drive down, and then they sure. would drive back. I assume it would be feasible to do the same thing on the boat in the in the winter months, right? So you live in your, in your house, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, until November, December, maybe you wait till right after the holidays, right? And then you go on the boat for three months and then you come back when it's warm again in, in, in April or May. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a fair, fair number of people who do that. You know, it, it's yeah. sort of the equivalent of being a snowbird as, as we call them yep. up here in New England, right? You're, you're here in the summertime and then you head south for the winter. And, uh, you know, that works well here on the East Coast because hurricane season, uh, starts uh, uh, in June and ends November 1st. So you don't want to be on your boat down south during those periods of time. So, you know, going down in November or December, as you said, or you said after the holidays, uh, and then staying there till uh, May or so is it works out very well. And a lot of people do that. And uh, I don't know if that's in my future or not. Uh, probably not given my age and where I'm at in life. But maybe I could talk one of my sons into doing that, and then I could go mooch off them for a while. I like that plan the best. That's why you have kids, right? <laughs> exactly. So so let's kind of, by way of wrapping this up, what do you think are the big takeaways for people thinking about kind of selling everything and buying a boat and, and doing what Jamie and Keith are doing? Yeah, so, so in, a, in a recent development, i.e. COVID, right, that sort of has changed you get the way you have to think about this. Because the Caribbean is made up of a whole bunch of different countries. That's a great place to go sailing, great place to go cruising, or even if you want to explore other places. You want to go to the South Pacific, it's a lot of different countries. And COVID has, has really put a kibosh on being able to travel between countries. It used to be very open, very fluid. So that's, that's really changed that dynamic uh, a, a, a fair amount. 
And as if you remember from one of our previous episodes uh, where we talked to, to Joe Hagan, who, who used to take people to the Bahamas and the islands a lot, and he used to do that uh, this past summer, uh, came up to the east coast of the United States. He takes people out on his boat for, you know, uh, sailing lessons, uh, live aboard lessons, you know, a week at a time. Uh, and uh, he, 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 he decided that going to the islands and popping around to different countries was just too risky from the point of view of being stuck someplace. And there's plenty of stories of people who want to go someplace and have not been able to get into that port. And uh, if you declare an emergency, then you can get in. But if it's not an emergency, you know, they, they can close their borders. And so I think, number one, that in many ways has made staying in one country, if that's possible, uh, a, a lot more attractive. Hence, there, Keith and Jamie are in the U.S. Virgin Islands, part of the United States. So travel to and fro is easy for them, uh, being U.S. citizens and residents of the United States. Uh, same thing with Puerto Rico. So that's sort of in the, in the short term, that's been an added complication uh, because of COVID. But, you know, the other, the other thing, uh, we just talked about it uh, during the intro to this show, the hurricane season. Um, so there's a time of the year where uh, you want to be a bit careful where you are. And uh, in the, in where we are in the East Coast United States, uh, hurricane season runs uh, typically from June 1st to November 1st. And there's actually, so for example, in my insurance policy, I cannot take the boat south of the Chesapeake Bay during that period of time. Uh, I ha- I'd have to get an additional rider on my boat. So um, there's insurance uh, plays into this. Um, and uh, so there's that consideration. So that makes you know, sailing certain times of the year better in some locations than others. Uh, so it's sort of the weather, weather patterns. Um, the other takeaway, I think, you know, they talked a lot about the boat they picked and why they picked it and what went into that decision. And, and I have said this before, you know, for the boat that we bought, you got to find the boat that's right for you and how you're going to use it. Uh, how you're realistically going to use it, not how you dream on how you may use it 10 years from now, <laughs> but you know, how you're actually going to use it for the, the, your relative window of opportunity, short-term window of opportunity and, and buy the boat that's right for you. Don't be swayed too much by what other people say, because I will tell you as in many of these, uh, many parts, many, many facets of life these days, there are, there are, uh, loud zealots that talk about this is the only type of boat to buy and you should buy this type of boat because it's the only boat that's safe, blah, blah, blah. And I read those things, but I also gather multiple data points and I, I take all those data points. It's the engineer in me, I guess. And I, and I, you know, bring them together and analyze them and come to my own conclusions. And I think the same thing is right about, uh, buying a boat, buy what works for you. The other thing we sort of talked about that I think is if you're going to do longer passages, meaning, you know, to me, a longer passage is if you're, if, if you're sailing at night. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is because it disrupts your normal sleep pattern. Someone needs to be awake uh, and watching where you're going. And I, I'm, when I'm sailing, there's always someone in the cockpit looking around because even though you may have AIS, 
You may have radar. Sometimes, you know, things pop up and think uh, the wind changes and, uh, you know, all of a sudden you got to adjust the sails you got, or, or there's something floating in the water that you see. So you always have to have someone on watch and legally you're supposed to always have someone on watch. Uh, and so I think this notion of long distance sailing and how you're going to divide up the various different watch shifts is something to think about. Um, the notion, notion of having mechanical problems or equipment problems. If you're a hundred miles offshore and something breaks, you got to figure out how you're going to fix it. There's, there's no one coming out. There's, there's no triple a that's going to come out there and fix it. And the coast guard's not there to help you fix stuff, right? They're, they're there to, 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 to rescue you, uh, not because your boat broke, but because you're in peril. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something interesting as well. The other thing that I thought that Keith and Jamie did really well was, was they have portable work skills. So they wanted to live this lifestyle, but they, they weren't independently wealthy. So they, they understood that they had to have sources of income and Keith's an engineer. Uh, so he was able to find some engineering work at the various different places where they've been. And I thought it was interesting the way Jamie you know, she sort of did an apprenticeship when they were in the Florida Keys uh, for air conditioning and heating, uh, HVAC, uh, particularly for the marine industry. And I will tell you, uh, that's a skill that's in short supply. And, you know, all of your bigger, more expensive boats, they all have air conditioning. The bigger ones have heat uh, and they're complicated systems. So having a skill that knows how to repair those and, and troubleshoot them and diagnose them and get them fixed is a really great skill. So here too, they, they said, okay, this is what we want to accomplish. We want to be able to live this lifestyle. So let's make sure we bring some skills to the table that enable us to, uh, to work and make some income. So I thought that was, uh, that was a really key thing that they did as well. Uh, was there anything that struck you, Mike, as, as something really kind of neat? No, I did, I did love the work skills thing and thinking this through and how they could make money. Um, even if you're you're retired, it's probably you're doing something like this. It's always good to have something in your pocket where you can make some money. Um, I think the two things that struck me is just the network, having a network of people. And I think that's great advice for no matter what you want to do in your life. Um, so have people in the areas you want to use as a base. Find ways to connect with them before you get there. Um, and uh, find a base of people who are having similar experiences. This can be one of, you know, you know me, I hate social media for a lot of reasons, but this is one of the really good things that social media can be used for to kind of find and connect with people that are, have similar interests from you. Um, and I think when you get to the point where you're doing something like this, no matter what it is, if you're doing something a little different, I know this is important for me moving to Germany, right? Which is a little bit similar in some ways, right? You pick up everything and you go and do something completely different. Um, Having along the way some people that you can count on for good advice and good counsel and support um, when you make a big change like this, I think is really important. And then the other skill that I heard them have that was kind of reminded me of our experience um, doing this is a really good outlook to manage uncertainty and a lot of flexibility. And I think people say, oh, I'm flexible. But when you really say, hey, we have to change our plan, we have to do something radically different, there's a storm, um, I had to get a new job, whatever, that you, especially when you're working with another person, that you really do truly have that flexibility. And those are skills you can practice, right? You can practice being flexible. You can practice being thoughtful, being more patient. I mean, I, I you know, I've told 
you this before and I've told people this before. I love to meditate a little bit uh, because it helps me gain that perspective and helps gives me some more cognitive flexibility, right? And to not fly off the handle or get emotional the minute something happens to take a step back and think. And it sounded like I'm not saying they're meditators or anything like that, but it sounded like from the conversations that they were really open um, when new things happened and open to that uncertainty and really managed all these different adventures with an even keel. Sorry about the pun, right? But um, with an even keel and with thoughtfulness and really thought through things. So everything from the planning to the adapting on the fly, um, I was really struck with their attitude and um, and, their, and their kind of um, their outlook on, on what I would think would be a, a big change in life, you know, to, to do something like this. Yeah, it was really, really great to catch up with them, uh, having not chatted with them for many, many years and lost touch. So it was uh, a really nice experience for me, for sure. Uh, what do you say, Mike? Should we wrap this one up? Perfect. I think this was a great two-part series with Jamie and Keith Pomeroy. Thanks for getting in touch with them and uh, reeling them in, right, to use a fishing analogy. I'm full of these today. Sorry, bad puns. But um, uh, but uh, bringing uh, Jamie and Keith to the, to the podcast was fantastic. Listeners, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we hope you found our conversation interesting and thought-provoking. Of course, as always, if you have questions about what we've discussed, uh, never hesitate to get in touch with us. Our email is sailing the east. That's all one word at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button on your podcasting application. Hey, and if you know of someone that'd be a good guest for the show, let us know. We'd love to have them on. You know, spring and warm weather is around the corner, I hope, Mike. Uh, and uh, it's pretty cold out today. So I'm, I'm anxious and looking forward to spring. So until next time, Signing off from upstate New York. See you soon. Sounds great, Bela, from over here in Münster, Germany. See you next time. <laughs>